Christchurch, New Malden, Sunday the 18th of February 2024, 11 o'clock service. Stephen Kurt speaking in the series, Spring Cleaning Our Lives This Lent, on the failure to forgive. So as Christians, as part of the people of God in New Malden, what is it that should mark us out as different from those around us? Now that is a really challenging question, isn't it? And of course, it's one with lots of possible answers. We know that it has to be more than simply going to church on a Sunday. We know that it's got to be more than what we simply claim to believe. We're called to live differently, aren't we? Because of Jesus and because of the gift of the Spirit, we're called to have lifestyles that display more and more of those characteristics that God wants to form in our lives. Live such good lives amongst the pagans, verse 12 of 1 Peter 2 says, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Being distinctive as the people of God in New Malden is about living lives that are radically different because of the goodness those lives contain. During this series, which, as Katie has said, is called Spring Cleaning, our lives this Lent, we're going to look at a number of ways in which God might be wanting to speak to us about this. And of all the ways that we're called to be different, perhaps the most difficult of all is the calling to forgive. Now, these are words that we say every single service here at Christchurch in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. We say that line every week, and yet it's almost the best example that exists of something being more easily said than done. And when I say this, I'm not just thinking about those really appalling crimes that it seems impossible for us to conceive that anyone could forgive. At a more basic level, forgiveness is difficult because having been damaged by someone, we're then being asked to give them something. Now, it helps, of course, when they're sorry, but it's still difficult. Because at the point when knowing that we're in the right is just about the only solace that we possess, we're being told that we have a duty towards the person that has hurt us. And that's part of why forgiveness can be so hugely difficult. But what makes it even more difficult is that we're increasingly surrounded by a culture that says that forgiveness is wrong. That's what cancel culture is essentially about. If someone has done something wrong, particularly if it offends against the clearly established codes our society believes in, then many would say it's not only right, but almost our duty to make sure that they pay for this. But this actually isn't a modern development. It was much the same in first century Palestine. The Jews were an occupied people. We've just seen an indication of that in that trailer for The Chosen. 200 years before, they'd experienced the most dreadful and violent treatment at the hands of the Greeks, persecution that they'd amazingly been able to eventually throw off by massacring those who were doing this. That's what Jews still celebrate at Hanukkah. But now history was repeating itself. Now it was the Romans doing much the same as the Greeks had done previously. They left Israel seething for revenge and ready to erupt 
against her oppressors. That did eventually happen some 30 or 40 years later. But into the middle of this pressure cooker of hatred came Jesus Christ, proclaiming a radically different way of responding to this evil. The way to respond to this kind of situation, declared Jesus, is by refusing to return evil with evil. The way to respond to this kind of situation, Jesus said, is by praying for those who persecute you. The way to respond to this kind of situation is to actively love your enemies, the very people who are treating you in such a dreadful manner. The way to respond in short is by learning forgiveness. And as part of this, Jesus called his followers to form a radically new community, a radical community that would demonstrate by its relationships with one another that this way of living was possible. And chapter 18 of Matthew's Gospel that we had part of read to us this morning is Jesus teaching his followers and us about how to be church. And in its final part, Jesus deals with the whole subject of forgiveness. And it starts by Peter, the most well-known of his disciples, coming and asking Jesus a question. And this is the question that Peter asks. Peter came to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Forget the Romans. Even within our own community, Peter is saying, there must be some sort of limit on forgiveness. It, it can't be endless. And the staggering answer that comes back from Jesus is this. No, Peter, there's absolutely no limit on the number of times that we're called to forgive that person who sinned against us. That's what Jesus meant when he said these words. When he said not seven times, but 77 times, he may actually have meant 70 times seven. There's uh, different uh, interpretations on that particular verse. Now, if Jesus did say 70 times seven, he didn't mean 490 times. I must admit, I did need the calculator to work that one out. What Jesus meant was we're not meant to count because forgiveness is something that Jesus wants us to be constantly prepared to give. Now, it is very stark, isn't it? We could even see it as completely insensitive. It almost makes out forgiveness to be easy when we know that it's not. What about those appalling examples of evil that we're all aware of, some of which have occurred this week. How can this constant forgiveness that Jesus speaks of ever be possible for those who've been hurt so badly? Surely it's completely impossible. Well, it would be if this world were all there is. But with my coming, Jesus declared, Something decisively new has broken into this world. Something which Jesus called the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Something which meant that things that were previously difficult and indeed impossible had turned into things that were now possible, even if they would never become easy. That's why Jesus goes on to tell this parable about the kingdom of heaven. Like Jesus' other parables, it's a story that reveals something of the nature 
of this new reality, this new rule of God that had broken into the world when Jesus came, and the new things that were now possible as a result. So here's the story that Jesus told. Jesus says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, well, it's rather like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as that king began the settlement, there was a man who owed that king 10,000 talents, and he was brought before the king. And since he wasn't able to pay back that enormous sum of money, the king ordered that he and his wife and their children and all that they had should be sold to repay the debt. Now, it sounds rather like the post office scandal, doesn't it? Although in this case, it wasn't an error with the Horizon software. The man was guilty. And the servant fell to his knees, and he begged the king, be patient with me. Be patient with me, he said, and I'll pay you back everything. Now, this was an enormous sum, so how he would, we're not told. And in a sense, it was irrelevant, because what we're told is that the king took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. Now, we mustn't brush too quickly over this part of the story. We've got to use our imaginations here and think about what it would have been like to have heard this story back in the first century. You see, 10,000 talents may not mean a lot to us, but it was an enormous sum of money. It was more than the annual amount of taxation that the Romans collected from the whole of Israel. And yet here we see a king who's prepared to forgive the servant who's stolen that from him. People would have thought, what a ridiculous story. It's so preposterous as to be impossible. It's completely out of touch with reality. It's the sort of thing that simply does not happen in the real world. It does now, says Jesus. Because God's rule has broken into this world in a staggering new way that has turned all of our rules of what's normal and what's possible completely upside down. The king in this story fairly obviously represents God, doesn't he? And the servant represents us. With my coming, Jesus is saying, you've received a forgiveness that is enormous and total. Every single thing that you've ever done wrong, every scrap of debt that you have towards God, has been completely wiped away. I've changed the goalpost, Jesus is saying. You're now living in a completely new situation. So let's pause for a moment to really take that on board. Think, if you will, of the worst, darkest thing that you've ever done, the thing that you're ashamed to admit to yourself, perhaps, let alone other people. If you're a follower of Jesus, that's something that God, through Jesus, has completely taken away. It's staggering, but it's true. And it's something that we've got to constantly remind ourselves of. It's why we have the confession in our service. God, the abundant giver, has broken into this world through Jesus Christ and has given us the most precious and staggering gift imaginable, that of complete and utter forgiveness. And the question which the rest of this parable asks is this, do we want to live 
within this amazing reality of God's kingdom. Because if we do, it will mean us being prepared to accept that the impossible has now become possible for us as well. God has provided us with the power to forgive people for what they have done to us. And it's this that the servant fails to do, doesn't he, as the parable continues. He bumps into another servant, and this servant owes him a few pounds. And when that man can't pay, he has him thrown into prison. And the parable ends with the stark warning that news of this got to the king, and because of that servant's response, he lost all of the forgiveness that had previously been his, and he was thrown into prison. Now, it is a harsh story, particularly in the way it ends. But it's making the point about what happens when we refuse to forgive our brothers and sisters. You see, that servant was acting as though nothing had changed about his world, wasn't he? He was acting as if you get what you deserve was still the rule book of life, when the reality was that the king had torn that rule book into pieces. And by refusing to forgive, that servant had placed himself outside of the new kingdom and back in the old one, where the old rules of retribution and getting one's just deserts was the order of the day. So where does this leave us if we're facing issues in our lives to do with forgiveness this morning? Perhaps there is one individual or a group of people whom you're finding it incredibly difficult to forgive for what they've done to you. Forgiveness is never easy, particularly when we've been badly hurt. But very briefly, three things that can be taken from this passage this morning, which we can engage with if we're resolved to move further in this direction. And the first of them, the most obvious coming from this passage, is this. If we want to move further towards forgiveness... It's about focusing on what God has brought through Jesus. Jesus brought us individual forgiveness, but this was just part of something much bigger in the shape of the kingdom of heaven. The in-breaking rule of God making things possible that weren't before. We aren't just called to forgive others because we've been forgiven, although, of course, the parable makes clear that's an important part of it. We're called to forgive others because of what I've been emphasizing this morning. Because the coming of the kingdom of heaven and the gift of the Holy Spirit have made this possible. That's why the parable ends in the way it does. Its final verse says this. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. You see, the great thing about the coming of the kingdom of God is that we can be changed on the inside. What God wants us to open up to is that power that he has placed inside us. So as we come along to church, and we remember the forgiveness that we have received from God, let's also remember the liberation that we also have from our old pattern of living. And let's pray that God will reveal to us more and more of what it really means to live under his rule and the new possibilities that have opened up for our lives. 
And let's pray that we as a church community can demonstrate more and more by our relationships that this is true. So that's the first point. If we're serious about spring cleaning our lives this Lent by showing greater forgiveness, that's the first thing that we can hopefully remember. But a second point is this. If we want to move further towards forgiveness, it's about recognizing that forgiveness is part of our worship of God. You see, we might hear that story and think, what did it have to do with the king? The king forgiving someone, that's clearly his business, but what's he, why should he be involved in this other case? Why was the first servant's treatment of the second servant any of the king's business? It was his business because he was the king. And as king, he'd established a pattern that he expected to be followed by those whom he ruled. Now, if we're finding it really difficult to forgive someone for something they've done to us, this perhaps can help us. It perhaps can help us to think of the forgiveness that we extend being something that we're offering first and foremost to God because of everything that God has given to us. If we're trapped in a situation where we are just so full of anger about that person who so blatantly acted in a wrong and bad manner, but we know that forgiveness is part of what we're called to show, perhaps it is easiest, in the first place at least, to see that as something that first and foremost we're offering to God as an act of gratitude for all the forgiveness that he has extended to us. There's a third thing that I think is really important to remember as well, and it's this. If we want to move further towards forgiveness, and the wording there is deliberate, it's important to remember that while God's kingdom has broken into this world, it hasn't yet been brought to completion. See, the Bible is quite clear that we possess the Holy Spirit as the first fruits of our future restoration, but we're not the finished article yet. And some people, perhaps some people gathered here this morning, have been hurt so badly that perhaps it does currently look impossible to reach a full forgiveness of those who did this to you. But what God wants to see is that there's work in progress. What God wants to see is that we are letting the Holy Spirit into that situation. And if we can't yet forgive someone, then perhaps we can pray that God will help us to move further towards wanting to forgive them. Because the truth is that when we take the smallest step towards what God wants us to be doing, the change that can then occur is often incredible. When we respond to God by taking the smallest step of faith, the smallest step of obedience, the smallest act of grateful love towards God, it is extraordinary what can then occur. Quite often the Holy Spirit can then take us to a place that we never thought we could reach. So as we think about the subject of forgiveness, let's be completely honest about the hurts that we've received. Let's avoid anything that's trite and treats them or is tempted to describe them in any way that sits lightly to those things that have occurred. 
But let's also recognise the tremendous truth that we've been thinking about this morning, about things now being possible that weren't before. As we consider spring cleaning our lives this Lent in all sorts of different ways, let's remember that we're dealing with a God who has made the impossible possible through sending us his son, Jesus Christ. Not only so that we can be forgiven ourselves, but so we can be transformed into people and a community who stand out in this world because we have become people of forgiveness ourselves. Let's pray for a moment. Perhaps we can bring before God that part of our life where forgiveness is very, very difficult. May be painful to some of us to recall that situation, but if we're able, let's bring to mind those individuals or perhaps groups where the whole forgiveness issue is very relevant. Father God, we know the damage that's done by terrible words and actions. We also know the ongoing damage that's also done through bitterness and anger. And we simply bring you those situations in our lives, Lord God, where this is true for us. And we ask, Lord God, that you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, change us. Would you stir us to respond in whatever way you want us to? to make our way to that liberation of forgiveness, which is part of your gift to us and part of what you want to extend through us. We ask, Lord God, that you would powerfully help us this morning, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.